if you would take your Bible and go with me to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter number 3. Continuing in this series, Presence of God. Our message today is life-changing experiences. You ever had one of those? Yeah? Yeah, when you got married, that kind of changed things, didn't it? Amen. Yeah, boy. You got married that, that yeah. You thought, guys, you thought you knew her. <laughs> yeah, we did, didn't we? <laughs> we found out a whole new story afterwards, didn't we? And we're still learning, aren't we, guys? Okay, there, there's three or four of you that are not in the doghouse yet. All right, that's good. And ladies the same way, but that totally transformed your life, didn't it? Children. Children. Life-changing experiences, yes? Amen. Young people, whenever you graduate high school, man, you got the world by the tail, you got it all together, <laughs> or so you think. Then you go to college. I remember uh, what too terribly long ago, after Evan and Chelsea got married, Evan called me, called me up and he said, Dad, this adulting thing is hard. You got that right, it's hard. It's not easy, son. And, uh, you know, these are life-changing things. Kids graduating from college, getting married, having children. Hello, here we go, you ready? Becoming a grandparent. Amen. I found out last week, many of you already know, that I'm going to be a, a papa. I'm going to be a grandparent. Looking forward to that. And uh, old Chelsea, so Darcy said she mentioned something about it in her class, and, and uh, uh, one of the kids spoke up and said, well, which one of the boys? And one of the other kids spoke up and said, well, it better be Evan. That's for sure. It better be Evan, or somebody's going to be meeting King Jesus too early, you know. Uh, but I'm so excited about that. And these are these things that just they rock our world with their blessing. They change our lives. They change the way we do things, they change who we are. All of a sudden, as you get older, you realize it's not all about you. It's about those that are around you and those that you are in relation to. And as we look at this passage here today and encounters with God, we find that exact same thing with Moses. Moses had that life-changing moment out on the back 40, if you will. That moment of knowing and truly experiencing God, and that's kind of what we're going to talk about today as we look at this passage. You know, we look at uh, life changes, and we, we think, you know, whether they're actually they're just one-time events. No, actually, they're ongoing events. We're constantly, husbands and wives, you're constantly learning about each other. We're constantly learning about our children. We're constantly learning about life. So it's an ongoing event. So even though it's a one-time event, we know that God continued to work with and work in and through Moses as he encountered, after he had encountered God. We think about encountering God and experiencing God. I find it this way. To experience God is knowing God's will, obeying God's will, all for the glory of God. Knowing the will of God, obeying God's will, all for the glory of God. When we talk about experiencing God, I hope that you would look at it as that way as well. I, I, would, I would hope to say that whenever we look across the auditorium here, we look at each other, and, and we're all believers. At least I, I, I'm guessing we're all believers. Maybe you don't know Christ in here today. Well, you know what? Your life can begin today, your true life, the one that God intended for you, and you can have a life-changing event through the Lord Jesus Christ today. But nonetheless, 
as believers, we're constantly wanting to please God. Amen? Amen? Anybody want to please Jesus? Anybody at all? Talk to me. All right. That's, that's better. Just trying to wake you up a little bit there, Miss Donna. We're doing all right, though. We're, we're heading that direction. All right. Yeah, we want to please God. We want to deal with God. We want to work with God. We want to engage God. We want to encounter God. Well, one of the ways to do it is by knowing God's will and obeying God's will all for his glory. Not because we have to do it, but so that it brings glory to God. So look at this passage today in Exodus chapter 8. We're going to read verses 1 through 10. We're going to see that Moses engaged and experienced God, and that was just the beginning of what God, the things that God was going to do in his life over the next many, many years, over the next four decades until God took him home. So if you would, please stand with me one more time. Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Out of respect to God's word, we're going to read this. Exodus chapter 3, beginning of verse number 1. Very familiar story to most of us. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush, so he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why? The bush is not burned. How many of you can relate to Moses? Would you go check it out? Amen, I would too. Verse 4. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore... Behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. God bless your word. May it penetrate our hearts. Lord, may we just not be hearers, as I said earlier, Lord, but that we would respond to the word of God today and do that which you have called us to do, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I want to share with you three aspects today of what it is to experience God. Again, I said earlier that experiencing God is about knowing what God wants us to do, obeying what God wants us to do, and doing it all for the glory of God. And today I want to share with you three aspects that I see uh, with that in this particular passage. First of all, I want you to see the place of experiencing God. The place of of experiencing God. In verses 1 through 4, we see that Moses, he's tending his flock and he's leading his flock. Moses is doing what he would do. It says here that he was at the back of the desert. Now, the, the, uh, uh, literally, it means 
rear part. In other words, if you, and some of you may have a map in the back of your Bible of what it was during Moses' time, the, the layout of the land. Moses was quite a ways away from where he normally would be. He normally would be tending the sheep in Midian, where his father-in-law Jethro lived. But if you find Midian on the map, you'll find that it is on the east side of the Red Sea. And where he ended up being uh, to be at the Mount of God, Mount Sinai, he literally had to go around or across the Red Sea and come back down into in between where the Red Sea, uh, whenever I would teach in school, and I'd teach geography, I would teach the kids two fingers, you know, and that would be the Red Sea, and then what was in the middle was the Sinai uh, Peninsula, all right? Well, he had to travel up and around. So this was a normal thing in the sense that he was tending and leading his sheep, but he was literally weeks away from his home. He had traveled far away. We don't know why, probably because maybe there was a, a lack of, of uh, grassy meadows for the sheep to feed upon. Uh, so as a, a loving shepherd, he wants to get the sheep fed. Maybe it was to get away from danger. We simply do not know the reasons why. But nonetheless, he was weeks away from home doing what a normal shepherd would do. Doing his job. Doing the everyday things that he does. Moses experienced God during his normal routine. You know, you can experience God in your normal routine of everyday life. You know, sometimes there, there's this false uh, uh, mindset, and this is, this is not uh, right or wrong. It's simply uh, in the sense that when we experience God, we feel like we got to have this, this grand moment, you know. Well, I experienced God at camp. Well, can you experience God at camp? Sure. Well, I experienced God at this conference, or I experienced God at church. Can you? Sure, absolutely. There's, there's this false mindset that you have to have something big and awesome in order to experience God. And that is partly true, but it is not completely true. You can experience every, God every moment of every day. doesn't matter whether you're at some bombastic uh, event or not, or just an everyday, routine, mundane life. You can experience God. There are those you know, people that would, well, I experience God because, you know, you get the heebie-jeebies, amen? You get that feeling, and you feel the hair stick up on the back of your neck, and you're like, and I'm not saying that, that experiencing God does not involve feelings. It can involve feelings. But experiencing God just does not involve feelings, all right? Experiencing God can happen at any time, at any place, and anywhere in the mundane, routine things of life. When you think about what God's will is for you today, obviously being here at church for believers today is God's will for us to be in the house of God, amen? That's a good one right there. You're getting better. You're coming, man. You're coming. I like that. That's good. It is God's will for us to praise it's God's will for us to pray and to fellowship. It's God's will for us to give and to read God's word and, and to pay attention to it. It's, 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 it's God's will for us to be here today and allow the Spirit of God to lead us. And you say, well, I do this every Sunday. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. In the mundane routine of everyday life. You say, well, this is Sunday. This is church. Okay, well, what about tomorrow? What has God called you to do tomorrow? Anybody in here got a job? All right. Guess what God's called you to do tomorrow? Man, go to work. Go to work. Provide for your family. Be on time to work. Be the best employee you could possibly be. Go in, where, in there with a little skip in your step, you know, and you got, you got King Jesus all over you, right? And being a blessing to the people. This is God's will for us, but sometimes we're like, you know what? I just, I don't look at life that way. Well, you know, this is the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to do what? Rejoice and be glad in it. That's what scripture tells us. 
in the mundane routine of everyday life. This is why Paul wrote a so familiar verse in 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whether therefore you, think about this now, whether therefore you eat or drink, stop. We're going to be doing some eating and drinking here in a little while, amen? I'm looking forward to it. I don't know, I don't know what everybody brought. I hope there's fried chicken. I hope there's that roast beef, you know, and there's black-eyed peas, amen? And there's some things that are just, you know? Whatever you do, whether therefore you eat or drink, do all to the glory of, guess who? God. Even in the routine mundane of life, you can experience God. Moses is just doing what he does. And he's experiencing God in the daily mundane routine things of life. Parents, experiencing God with your kids. By training them up in the nurture and the admission of the Lord. Amen? Praying with your children. Teaching them the difference between right and wrong. And breaking out the word of God and saying, this is why this is the case. Amen? Not just saying, well, you just better do it because I said so. No, 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 no. Don't go that direction. Now, if you want to pull out uh, Ephesians 6, 1 and say, you do it because the Lord says, children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. I think you can go that direction. Amen. All right. But the point is, you can experience God every day. It doesn't matter if you're at work. doesn't matter if you're at school. doesn't matter if you're, you're relaxing, if you're on vacation, whatever it is. You can do all to the glory of God and experience God throughout the day. It doesn't have to be this grand moment, but it can be a grand moment. Moses experienced God uh, beyond his normal routine also. Sometimes we experience God beyond our normal routine. I mean, think about this. The angel of the Lord showed up. Now, it, most Bible scholars believe that this is what's called as a theophany. It doesn't say an angel of the Lord. It says the angel of the Lord. This is a pre-incarnate, pre-birth appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. He shows up. All right, already we're out of the ordinary routine, amen? We're already out of the ordinary. The angel, not an angel, the angel of the Lord shows up. And not only does he show up, he shows up as a flame of what? Fire. And not just a flame of fire. Now, a flame of fire in a bush. It should burn up. So this is totally out of the ordinary. And not only does he show up, and he shows up as fire, and he shows up as fire in a bush, and the bush is not burned up, then what does he do? What does the bush start to do? Talk. Okay, we're talking weird stuff here, all right? We're talking outside the ordinary, outside the routine. I mean, I think of uh, poor Balaam. Remember that? Oh, poor Balaam. He, had, he was riding his donkey, and he was on his mission to see Barak. And that donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in front of him. And what did that donkey do? That donkey just stopped. What did old Balaam do? He's back. What, what, what are you doing? What's your problem, you know? And the whole time he was blinded to it, the second time, he, he, he saw the angel of the Lord, and, 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 he was, and the donkey got really close to the wall of the, of the ridge there and started scraping his legs. And again, Balaam smacks him and says, what are you doing? The donkey said, just keeps on going, you know? And then all of a sudden the angel of the Lord appears the third time, and this time the donkey just stops and does what? He drops, you know? And the Balaam gets off and starts talking to this donkey, and then what does the donkey do? He speaks back to Balaam. All right, but it doesn't stop there, does it? The donkey talks back, and Balaam has an argument with the donkey. What's the donkey trying to tell Balaam? 
God is in the house. Would you please experience him? He's right there. You're so blind. What? I love the donkey. Why are you hitting me? You've had me all these years. Have I ever led you astray? Have I ever scraped your leg up against a wall? Have I ever dropped out from underneath you like this? Why do you keep smacking me? Can you not see, you know? It was a time to experience God, and he was totally missing. And Moses here, he's experiencing God in a great and mighty way. Normalcy, out the window. There's nothing routine about this. The laws of physics, gone. Why? Because God can. Sometimes God shows up that way. Sometimes that place, you can experience God anywhere and everywhere, anytime, any place, any circumstance. It may be an unexpected event. It may be in a bad doctor's report. Where's the Lord? Oh, he's there. It may be in a loss that absolutely rocks your world. Where's God? You see, because he promised, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Loves you. He's there. He's there. But it doesn't matter where you are, what you're going through, even if it's a, if it's a great thing. You know, whenever Evan Chelsea told us that they were pregnant, in my heart I was saying, praise God. Thank you, Lord. Even though for weeks, or actually months, I'd been telling them, you, get, you guys need to get out of school first. <laughs> but in the back of my mind, I was saying, man, I sure would like to be a grandpa. And I, every now and then, I would make that known to Ev. And then God blesses him with a, a baby on the way. But nonetheless, every moment, whether it's a bombastic event or whether it's a mundane, routine, daily life, you can experience God nonetheless. Number two, not only the place of experiencing God, I want you to see the position of experiencing God. Look at verse 4. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. First of all, position of experiencing God, I want you to see that he was listening to God. God speaks out, Moses, Moses. He's listening for God. He is aware. To experience God, we have to be in a position where we are willing and able to listen for him. Jesus said in John 47, he is of God who hears God's words. Do you hear God speak? Do you sense the Holy Spirit prompting you in certain areas of your life? When you get uh, to your time where you have personal time with God, if you have that, that's the, the opportune time for God to speak to you. Moses, God was speaking to him. Matthew, or excuse me, John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and Follow me. They listen for God. We want to experience God in our lives. You've got to be in a position to experience it. One of the ways to be in a position to, to experience God is being prepared always to listen. You're always aware. A little bit later, even in the middle of the service or at the end of the service, we're going to have an invitation. And throughout the service, the Holy Spirit could be speaking to you and prompting you. You know what? Maybe I, I, sometimes God seems so distant. Sometimes I just don't sense his presence. And, and, and sometimes I just, I just feel like God's not there. And, and maybe, it, Lord, maybe it's, and maybe the Holy Spirit's saying, you need to listen. You need to quiet yourself. You need to take this out of your life or that out of your life so that you have opportunity to hear and sense my presence and hear my voice. 
Moses had nothing else going on other than tending the sheep. And even after he saw the burning bush, the tending of the sheep, okay, that was to the side. He was in the position of listening to God, but secondly, responding to God. What was Moses' response? You all right? I must admit that if I had been there and that bush had said, without being burned, David, David, I probably would not have said, here I am. I probably would have, how many of you are with me? Okay, yeah. We probably would have. Uh, maybe not. Maybe we'd have stopped, taken a step back and man, that's cool. Say it again, God. <laughs> you know, I don't know. But nonetheless, he responded. Here I am. He responded. Do you respond to the voice of God? When you have your quiet times, when you have the Holy Spirit who prompts you. By the way, the Holy Spirit just does not speak to us during our quiet times and during church, does he? He speaks to you and me throughout the day, every day, all day, or at least he can. The question is, again, are we listening? But when we listen, we, we respond. John 14, 15, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. In other words, if you say you love me, do what I tell you to do. James 1, I've already mentioned the verse a couple of times. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Hear what God has to say and then do what he asks you to do. Uh, turn, hold your finger here. Go to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 1. Everybody take your Bibles. Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. We're talking about responding to God. Moses responded to him. Notice Isaiah chapter 1, verse number 18. 118. Come now, let us reason together. Did you catch that? God saying, you, come now and me and you. In other words, respond to my drawing. Respond to my wooing. Respond to my call. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow, though they are red like, uh, red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing, here it is, if you are willing, listening, and obedient, then what? Then you're going to eat the good of the land. Then you're going to be able to take part in that which I've got for you, which is good. It's that land of milk and honey that, that, that was described back in Exodus chapter number 3. But you've got to be willing and listening and obedient. You've got to be responding to God. So the question, that begs the question, are you willing? Are you obedient? Are we, are we willing and obedient in our time? Are we willing and obedient with our talents? Are we willing and obedient with our possessions? Are we willing and obedient in our faithfulness? Are we willing and obedient? Not willing, willing and obedient with our money. Are we willing and obedient with the various things that God has blessed us with? Or are we willing and obedient to stay attached to the busyness that keeps creeping up in our lives, that keeps us from being willing and obedient to God? Mark chapter 10, verses 28 to 30. Let me read this to you. Mark 10, 28 to 30. These are powerful verses. 
Mark 10, 28 says this, Then Peter began to say to him, Jesus, See, we have left all and followed you. So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, listen to this now, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now at this time. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. What's Jesus saying? He's saying all that other stuff, you want to experience me? All that stuff that we get so wrapped up in, that needs to, that you need to consider that being last and following him first, putting him first. He's not telling you to leave your family. He's making a comparison contrast here. What he's saying is, you know what? Your love for me ought to be up here and your love for everybody else ought to be down here. You know, sometimes we sacrifice ministry on the altar of everything else. And if we happen to slip ministry in there, we'll, we'll, we'll stick it in there. That's no obedience to the Lord. That's rationalizing whether you want to obey God or not. But if we're going to experience the Lord, we've got to be ready to respond for him. Number three, back in Exodus chapter number three, respect for God. A respect for God. Look at verse number uh, eight. I'm sorry, go to verse nine. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I've seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. I'm sorry. Let's back up a little bit. Forgive me. Hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. Verse number five. Forgive me. Verse number five. Look what the Lord says here. Then he said, do not draw near this place. What's God doing? God's saying, don't come any closer. God's saying, I'm drawing a line in the sand. I'm telling you, don't come any closer, Moses. I wonder what would have happened if Moses had come closer. Well, that would not have been good. That bush, that bush might have burned him, <laughs> you know. Do not come any, uh, near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Then watch what he says after that. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Mo God was... Letting Moses know, buddy, you need to have a healthy respect for me. Do not come any closer. And by the way, where you're standing, you need to go ahead and take off your shoes. Because this is holy ground right here. And he goes on to make the case for the God you're speaking with right now is the one and only true God. It is the God of the God. You notice that? It's not a God. You see that? I am the God of your father Abraham, your father Isaac. I am the God of your father Isaac. I am the father uh, 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 and God of, of your father, uh, 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 Jacob. He's making a case that I am God. You know, in today's world, would y'all agree with me? There is a lack of respect for God in the world. Amen? Let me put it another way. Let me go step further. Ready? You're not going to like this. There's a lack of respect for God within the church. There's a reason I heard this on radio this morning. The Lord just brought it to my mind. There's a reason in Isaiah God is referred to as the Holy One of Israel 29 times. 
because we treat him like he's just, you know. And we're seeing here all the time among believers. Oh my God. Basketball player missed a shot. Oh my God. Don't blame God for your sorry shot. It's not his fault. Practice. Oh my God. I can't believe that. It's not God's fault. Follow the West idiom that he has in his house. Don't do stupid, and it won't happen. Amen. But there, there's an unhealthy respect for God. There is no respect for God in our world today. We had talked last Sunday about the sanctity of life Sunday. You know, it's no, it's no surprise when, when we see the stuff going on in our world that we should be surprised when we make the statement, there is no respect for life. And there ought to be. God is the author of life. 1 Corinthians 6.20, speaking of respecting God, for you were bought with a price. Believers, do you all believe that? You were bought with a price. What was that price? Man, King Jesus shedding his blood, giving it all. Therefore, what? Respect, honor, glorify God where? In your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We want to experience God. We need to get back to understanding who God is. Holy, holy, Lord Almighty, God Almighty, the great I am. The Elohim, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The one who simply speaks. And it exists. The one who could simply speak, arise, and the dead are raised. Experiencing God is about respecting God and finally fearing God. You see that in the verse that we just read. Moses hid his face. Why? He was afraid. He was afraid. I think we would as well. Amen. (laughs) I would have hid my face. Moses hid his face for he was afraid. That's a good healthy fear. I don't think we have a fear of God. We don't have a respect for God anymore in our world. There's not a fear of God. Proverbs 1.7 says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Ecclesiastes 12, 13. I, I love, you know, some of these writers, some of these, some of the writers in scripture, you kind of kind of, hey, what are they trying to say here? And then others of them are just to the point. And the book of Ecclesiastes, all Solomon talks about when he wrote Ecclesiastes is everything is what? Anybody remember? Vanity. It's all empty. There's nothing to it. Now we're talking Solomon here, right? Bill Gates ain't got nothing on Solomon. Amen? No. No. When Jesus said that that Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. He was also the richest one who ever lived. Nobody had anything on Solomon, okay? Even in today's terms. Talk about billionaires, he'd be far beyond that. Solomon had it all. He had the women, 900 plus wives. That guy was a nut. I love my wife, by the way. He had it all. Had all the palaces, had all the land, had all the money, had all the he, you know, he had the Mercedes version or whatever of, of, of his, chari- his own personal chariot, you know. He had everything. He had it all. And he lists it all through the entire book of Ecclesiastes. He lists it all. And in the end, he said it's all vanity. And then he says in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 13, he says, I'll tell you what, I'll t- let's just boil it all down to this. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. Keep his commandments. 
That's it. I don't know about you, but I have trouble doing both of those. Anybody with me in that boat? But if we're going to experience God, we must develop a healthy fear. There are those who say, well, when we talk about fearing God, you know, we need to hold God in awe, and we, need, and we should, amen? But bless God, he, we need to fear him too. What did we share in Sunday school this morning? Baal Peor. God took out 24,000 of them. Why? Because they were disobedient to God, and they didn't have a healthy fear of God. Well, God doesn't do those types of things today. <laughs> Let's not tempt the Lord with <laughs> these things, because we know that he can. But we as believers ought to be obedient, and respectful of God, and fearing of God. God changes my life. In the process of, of respecting and fearing, and knowing God, and listening, and doing what he says, God is in the process of constantly changing my life. This is a continual process that God has for my life. That is experiencing God. Number three, and finally, as we close, there's a plan to experience God. A plan to experience God. Not just a place, not just a position of being fearful and respectful and listening and, and obeying God. But there's also a plan. There's always a plan. Everybody says there's always a plan. There's always a plan. When we experience God, trust you me, when you experience God, God has a plan to follow that up with. Look at verses 7 through 10. Here was God's plan. And the Lord said, I've surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, and I know their sorrows. So I've come down to deliver them out of the land of Egypt and to bring them up uh, from that land to a good and large land flowing with milk and honey. Just quickly, let me, let me uh, share just a couple of thoughts with you here. There's always a plan. Part of this plan was to deliver the people out of bondage, to deliver the people out of their bondage. What kind of bondage? Well, they had been in bondage of Egypt for 400 years, okay? For 400 plus years, actually. And if you look back at chapter number one, which by these Egyptians, they were growing in great numbers, and so they were putting so much harm and hurt and heartache, they wanted them to bow down so they could basically, theoretically, figuratively speaking, put their feet on their necks and say, you're going to do what we tell you to do. They were afflicting them to the point that the people of Israel, the Hebrew nation, was going to bow down to the Egyptians. Read through that passage in uh, uh, chapter 1, verses uh, 11 through 14 or 17, somewhere in there. If you read through that, you'll find not only did they do that, but they made them work with rigor. The word rigor means to be harsh and severe. Not only that, did they make the people work, they, they caused the children to do it. And then, of course, the, those male children that were being born, to get those kids out of the way and slaughter them. So God says, I've seen it, I've heard it, I know about it, now it's time to do something about it. I got a plan. Everybody say, I got a plan. God's got a plan, folks. If we will simply experience God, know what it is to experience the Lord, God has a plan. And in this particular case, the plan was deliver the people out of their bondage. Listen to me, church. God's plan for you, if you will experience God, if you will engage God, God's plan for you is to, to take the lost and have them taken out of the, the claws of Satan. He wants us to be a part of delivering the lost from their, their lostness and, and their condemnation to hell and so that they can earn, through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, heaven. 
not by works, but by his power and his blood. That's God's plan for us, to deliver the people out of the bondage of Satan. And it only happens when we engage and experience God. Not just to deliver them out of their bondage, because that would leave a spiritual vacuum, but to bring them to freedom in Christ. I don't know about you. I'm so glad I'm saved. Anybody here with me on that? I am so glad that Satan's claws no longer have a hold on me. The chains of bondage are gone. He saved me. Save me from myself. Save me from hell. Are you thankful for that today? You know, we're thankful for that. We ought to be experiencing God so we can help in delivering others to experience that same salvation that we have. Many of you here, you have loved ones or coworkers or close people you have close relationships with. Christ. Do you want them to be saved? I hope so. I don't want them to experience the wrath of God. I don't want them to experience the judgment of God. Listen, listen. Because God already poured it out on Jesus. Do we get that? The very wrath and judgment you should have experienced, all of us should have experienced, all, think about that, not just one of us, all of us should have experienced, that wrath was already poured out on his son. When we experience God, Moses is experiencing something he's never experienced before. And God's saying, I've got a plan. And that plan is to deliver these people out of bondage and bring them to freedom. And the really cool thing about that is, Moses, I say this is my plan, but you're going to implement it. I get to be a part of God's plan. You ever think about that? Think about that for a moment. God has chosen me to be his instrument. Moses found out in verse number uh, 9, Come now therefore and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Yes, this is my plan, Moses, but I'm going to use you. And we need to come to the understanding that when we experience God and we understand that God always has a plan, that that plan involves God using us as his instrument to execute his plan. God changing the life by working in me and through me. Wow. That's a pretty cool thought, isn't it? We take King Jesus to other people. And his death and burial and his resurrection. And God saves souls because we were obedient to him. It would have been a bad way if Moses hadn't obeyed the Lord anymore. And you'll... The rest of the passage, you'll find Moses begins to make excuses. God, I can't do this because A, B, C, and D. And we've got our excuses. But we all know excuses don't fly with God. That's the plan when it comes to experiencing God. The plan is that there is a plan. And the plan is for us 
to love God and to love people and to fulfill the Great Commission. Moses had a life-changing experience. It can happen every day, every moment of every day, and at the mountaintop experiences. The question is, am I willing to take the position of listening, hearing God, submitting and obeying, living in the respect of God and in the fear of God in order to implement God's plan. Your mindset would be what God wants is what I want. We need more believers today experiencing God. Not just to claim him as our savior, which we do. And not just to come to church to prove that, well, okay, I'm a Christian, I'm at church today. No, 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 no. To engage God, who he is, and fulfill his plan. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for this event where your servant, Moses, had a one-on-one engagement. And he experienced the one true living God. Lord, that's my heart's desire for myself. And that's my heart's desire for everyone here today. That we'll know God's will. We'll do God's will. All for the glory of God. Heads bowed and eyes closed. You know, experiencing God all ends with salvation. Knowing Christ as your Savior. You can't do what God wants you to do unless you know who the God is who has this plan for you. Maybe you've been going to church, maybe you've been relying upon good deeds or, or giving to charities or just being a good person in general to get you to heaven. Scripture says, for all of us to fall toward the glory of God, none of us deserve to go to heaven. It doesn't matter how good we are. Our goodness is like filthy rags before God because he's holy. For him today, I ask this question. If you died today and you stood before God, if God asked you, why should I let you into heaven? The only answer there is is because I have put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, your son. There is no other answer. And it's not hope so, maybe so, think so, salvation. The Apostle John wrote in 1 John chapter 5, these things that were written unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. It's settled. You know Christ is your Savior. If not, would you call out to him this morning? So simple. Just from your heart, from your the, the deepest part of your being, crying out to him, saying, Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. And I understand because I'm a sinner, I have I cannot go to heaven on my own. Because you are holy. But God, I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he's the Son of God. I believe that he died for my sins. I believe that he rose from the dead. 
So God, as best as I know how right now, the quietness of this moment, God, I want to ask you to save me. I ask you to forgive me. I put my faith and trust in Jesus. I turn from my sin, and I turn to you with my life. Please come into my life and save me and forgive me. If you pray that prayer and you meant it from your heart, God save you. John chapter 10 tells us that once you're put into the hand of God, there's no force that can ever take you out. Nothing can snatch you away. Believers, are we where we need to be for the Lord? Do we go through our day, really just don't think about the Lord at all until it's church time? Do we spend time with God in the mornings or in the evenings? Experience God through His Word, through prayer, through fellowship with other believers, through faithfulness to the house of God, to the things of God that the church is involved in. Lord, help us in all of these areas. May we be more devoted to you, we pray in Jesus' name.